If it hadn't been for Mahalia Jackson, Martin Luther King Jr.'s address at the 1963 March on Washington might be remembered as the bad check speech rather than the I have a dream speech. Dr. King labored over his text until four o'clock in the morning, weighing and mostly discarding all the conflicting ideas urged upon him by his aides. But he liked one of them, that in the Constitution and Declaration of Independence, the nation's founders had issued a promissory note to every American. For African Americans, the promissory note had turned out to be a bad check, and it was time to make good on it. In the text, Dr. King prepared the words, I have a dream, were nowhere to be found. He'd used the dream motif before, but since he was allotted only five minutes for his speech, he decided there wouldn't be time for the dream that day. Nearly a quarter of a million people massed at the Lincoln Memorial for a long, hot afternoon of speeches and songs. He was last on the program. By the time he stepped to the podium, some in the crowd had drifted away to catch buses and trains home. Dr. King began to talk about the promissory note. It was a good speech, an important speech, but it didn't sing. It didn't soar with the gospel cadences of redemption and uplift. Sitting nearby was someone who knew King could do better, the gospel singer Mahalia Jackson, who had electrified the crowd earlier with two spirituals, I've been buked and I've been scorned, and how I got over. Mahalia Jackson knew young Martin well. Sometimes when he'd get discouraged, he'd ask his secretary to get Mahalia on the phone, and she would sing to him. Jesus met the woman at the well, or the old rugged cross, while he listened, tears would stream down his face. Now, feeling his speech drag a little, Jackson called out to him, Tell him about the dream, Martin. Tell him about the dream. Gazing out at the crowd, Dr. King picked up his text, and he set it to one side. And then he said, I say to you today, my friends, so even though we face the difficulties of today and tomorrow, I still have a dream. At that moment, Dr. King's advisor, Clarence Jones, turned to the person next to him and said, these people don't know it, but they're about ready to go to church. And so they did, hearing one of the greatest speeches ever delivered only because Dr. King was reminded to tell him about the dream. At First Parish in Cambridge, we have dreams, too. <laughs> well, you, you've already told me, because last week I asked to hear about your dreams, and you didn't hesitate. You sent me emails. A lot more diversity, you said. Reach out in love, you said, giving life the shape of justice in our nearby community and farther beyond. Open our front doors, you said, to visitors from the community, the region, and around the globe. 
Make it a safe place, you said, to learn from one another and worship together, a place where people respect one another's boundaries and differences, spoken or unspoken, visible or invisible. Make it a totally inclusive environment, you said, for people with various types of disabilities, difficulties with hearing, vision, mobility, or memory, invisible disabilities such as mental illnesses, heart conditions, diabetes, tremor. Some of you offered specific suggestions such as an after-school tutoring program for at-risk youth. Others, perhaps hearing the echoes of Dr. King, went big. First parish, all of it, is my choir, said a member of the choir. In this community, folks are not necessarily just like me. I am challenged to better understand my privilege. I work with others and gain the courage to speak out alone for justice. In this community, even I can make music. Another wrote, my dream for First Parish is that we become a beacon of hope and salvation in Cambridge and beyond. And when I say salvation, I don't mean saving people from hell. I mean saving them from isolation, despair, greed, and the many spiritual ills that can befall us all. We must shine out our message of hope and universal love for all the world to see and heed. These are powerful dreams, important dreams. Like Dr. King, we dream of beloved community. We dream of connection. We dream of difference in conversation that leads to transformation. We dream of spiritual growth hand in hand with making justice. How often do we tell others about the dream? How often do we tell ourselves? When a newcomer walks in the door for the very first time, do we tell them about the dream? When someone asks if we're free on a Sunday morning and we say no, do we tell them about the dream? When we're talking with friends and family, do we tell them about the dream? A Finnish Unitarian Universalist, not anyone here present, once told me a joke about his people. How do you tell the extrovert among a group of Finns? The extrovert is the one looking at someone else's shoes. <laughs> well, how do you tell the evangelist among a group of Unitarian Universalists? The UU evangelist is the one who will occasionally admit to friends that they occasionally go to church. Not that they mean anything by it or anything. We can do better. We have to do better. I think we're doing something special here. We are consciously changing our culture and complexion from an overwhelmingly white, Eurocentric congregation to a racially and culturally diverse congregation a more accessible congregation, a congregation that respects differences of class, sexual orientation, ability, gender identity, and expression. And it's working. Our congregation is significantly more diverse 
than just a couple of years ago. But change has costs. There are always Unitarian Universalists who are eager for more diversity, provided nothing changes. Provided we keep worshiping, singing, praying, conversing, socializing, and being exactly the way we always have. But it doesn't work that way. You can't have change without change. Some white congregants are asking, what about me? Am I the wrong color? Do I still belong here? Of course you belong here. We're seeking a diversity of colors and cultures. White people are an essential part of that diversity. But whiteness is no longer the presumptive norm. Whiteness no longer calls all the shots. Whiteness has to learn to share, to experiment, to be curious, and sometimes to adapt. You know, white people like me aren't used to sharing cultural space and adjusting to other cultural norms. We're just not practiced at it. People of color do it all the time. In a recent study of churches in racial transition, sociologists Brad Christerson, Corey Edwards, and Michael Emerson found that white congregants who initially support diversity often become uncomfortable when they actually experience it. They conclude that compared to people of color and other minority groups, whites seem, quote, to have a greater expectation that the organization would be run according to their standards and are more likely to leave the church if their particular preferences and interests are not being met. And what a surprise, they found that worship style is a particular flashpoint of discontent. Quote, when white's perception of what constitutes the ideal or appropriate kind of worship service is not actualized, they tend to leave rather than collaborate on worship style. The Anglo-American moral value placed on punctuality Order, organization, and rationality can also contribute to tension. So, if you are feeling uncomfortable with change at First Parish in Cambridge, I invite you to be present to your discomfort and stick around. I invite you to practice generosity of spirit because that's the way that's the only way to build beloved community if something isn't familiar to you maybe it's familiar to somebody else if it's not comfortable for you maybe it's deeply restorative to somebody else if it's not nourishing for you, maybe it's life-saving somebody else. Another change you can't miss around here is generational. Our worship attendance is trending younger. 
while other congregations are graying and despairing at their inability to attract younger worshipers, more and more young adults are coming to First Parish in Cambridge, telling their friends about us and becoming members. It's a wonderful thing and a great compliment to the vitality of our worship and congregational life. But it can leave elders and longtime members feeling a little left out, even disrespected. And it poses a challenge to our financial health. Since younger folks tend not to make or to have as much money as older folks, they have less to share with the church. If younger members replace older members, unless there's a change in giving habits, our income will decline. So if we believe in the dream of beloved community, not somewhere on the distant horizon or in the sweet by and by, but right here and right now, at First Parish in Cambridge, we have got to dig deep and support it. No one else is going to do it for If you have a little extra in the bank, send it our way. Whatever you are thinking about giving, give more. Double it. Triple it if you can. If you're just scraping by, give us what you can. If you got nothing to give, God bless you. You belong here too. We have so many fantastic dreams to fulfill. Next week, the strategic planning team will deliver its report to the standing committee. They're talking about things like hiring a design firm to help us figure out how to make the best use of our historic buildings. Video equipment to live stream and podcast our worship to the world more staff support for religious education and ministry to families, joining the Greater Boston Interfaith Organization to engage us in justice-making across boundaries of religion, race, culture, and class, and much more. Three years ago, we took our dream and wrote a mission statement about it. Awakened by worship, we said, nourished by tradition, and united by love. We strive to create a multicultural, spirit-filled community that works for justice, fosters spiritual curiosity and faith formation, shares joy, heals brokenness, and celebrates the sacred in all. We welcome people of all beliefs, ages, classes, colors, ethnicities, abilities, sexual orientations, and gender identities and expression. That's a dream. That's a commitment. That is a promise. It's up to us to keep it. It's up to us to make it real. If you pledged last year to the work of this church, we have packets and pledge forms this morning with your name on them. If you didn't pledge last year, we have packets with blank forms for you. Whether or not you're a member of our congregation, if you care about what we're doing here, we hope you will pledge. Think about it, talk with your family about it, then send in your pledge card or pledge online. I invite you to come forward row by row 
to the table staffed by members of the Stewardship Committee who will give you your packet. And if you'd have difficulty coming forward, please raise your hand or let us know otherwise, and a volunteer will bring you your packet. If your last name begins with letters A through L, please come to the table on your left. If your last name begins with letters M through Z, please come to the table on your right. Blank forms for new pledgers are available at both tables. Please come forward, row by row. Thank you for being part of this incredible community. Thank you for your generosity. And don't forget, tell them about the dream.